You're listening to the Becoming Me podcast, and I'm your host, Emily Cummins. You know, we're all on this grand journey, becoming who God made us to be. And that's what this podcast is all about. You'll hear stories of fellow warriors becoming who God made them to be. And you'll discover resources designed to equip you on your own becoming journey. So grab your favorite cup of coffee or tea, and let's dive into today's episode. You're listening to the Becoming Me podcast, and I'm your host, Emily Cummins. You know, we're all on this grand journey, becoming who God made us to be. And that's what this podcast is all about. You'll hear stories of fellow warriors becoming who God made them to be. And you'll discover resources designed to equip you on your own becoming journey. So grab your favorite cup of coffee or tea, and let's dive into today's episode. Well, hey, Becoming Me, I am so excited to introduce you to my warrior friend, Frank. Frank, welcome to BecomingMe.cv. Oh, good to see you, Emily. Great, uh, grateful to be here. It is so good to have you on the podcast today. And you know, if somebody was not familiar with who you are, like, let's just kick off our time together with who is Frank? Hey, well, I'm a coach. Uh, I think I'm, I'm just a coach by, by nature in all areas and aspects of my life, whether it's been in fitness coaching, business leadership coaching, um, the coaching that I'm doing with our men inside of Rebuild Recovery, the coaching that I do um, with Little League and kind of the mentoring of, of, of young men um, coach. And what that means, I guess, to me is a leader that uh, produces and, and creates change in mm-hmm. others. So yeah, at my core, um, you know, believer, son of God, um, you know, hope to be a family man one day, but uh, deep inside of my core mm. is is the word coach. I love that. That's amazing. Um, you know, I, I just want to dive straight in. So we got a little bit of an introduction to who you are and this coach word that's really defining who you're becoming, right? But let's, let's start at the beginning. Like what has made you who you are today and even in why coach is so significant? Just who is Frank? What's your story? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, I think coach coaching became so meaningful to me very, very young. So growing up, you know, uh, I was an athlete, you know, participated in sports, um, always had that as kind of like the dream. Like I wanted to be the professional baseball player. Nothing else really mattered to me other, other than sports. Um, so, you know, it was very active in the youth sports and in the little league and one particular man in, in, in particular that that has stood out in my life and he came up like six months ago when i was being interviewed on a podcast so it's interesting we're talking about here again today but um he was my little league coach from the age of of 10 to 12. um we we worked or we played under the same team and 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 he was there but um what he and number one he was incredibly successful so we grew up kind of you know lower end middle class like i never felt like we went without we just never had more than what was needed. Um, but in the, in the area in which I grew up, like there were some of like some, I guess, wealthy people and him in particular was one, like he was a corporate attorney, um, had the big house on the golf course, like drove, you know, drove the Mercedes had, had all the things. Um, but he, he taught us hard work. He taught us discipline, like from a very young age, like these were the things that I can remember, you know, really being taught through him. 
Um, so that's where I think the, the, the coaching really became something that I saw value in. Um, but if we, if, if we go back even just maybe a little bit further back, back in time, cause I think we're obviously getting yeah. to, to my story, right? So I struggled yeah. with a porn addiction for over, over 20 years. And that's kind of been, you know, the journey that I've had to go through, which is leading us to where everything I'm doing today. My introduction into pornography was, you know, six years old. Um, you know, I don't think anybody um, purposely did that. I was a nosy little kid and kind of scrounging through dad's drawers. You know, you pull up the socks mm. and like there was the magazine. Um, and I think back back then, like, you know, the the curiosity aspect for, for a young boy mm. when he sees something um, and he sees the body and it's like, oh, it makes you feel a little bit different than anything mm. else. Why is that the case? But it's also something that you probably knew you shouldn't have been looking at because it was hid away from you. So you don't feel, you know, that you can go talk about this with anybody. So that planted the seed of, of A, number one, like the curiosity behind these images, but also like it's probably not something that you're going to go tell people around because there's a reason why dad is hiding it from other mm -hmm. people as well. So a subconscious seed was planted in there that's like you're probably going to have secrets in your life. So if we fast forward and, and as we'll kind of hear through my story, that was a recurring theme is there was always mm -hmm. this kind of secondary or secret life. Um, so if we fast forward a little bit though, you know, because I think it's obviously important to, um, to talk about today's issues is, is, as well. I was introduced to pornography in a 2d mm -hmm. magazine. Like the young kids today are obviously seeing something completely different. So that became relevant in my life around 15. Um, mm -hmm. that's when we got a computer and I can literally remember like having the computer in my bedroom, um, mm -hmm. within the first hour, like finding images online. So now it was no longer, I had to go, you know, steal dad's magazines or find one at a convenience store and, and try to steal that. It's like, I can just find these images online. Mm -hmm. But once again, it's a secret, right? Because I learned at the age of six, like there can be things about you that you don't share with others. Mm -hmm. um, so if we fast forward, you know, through my entire life, whether it was, you know, when I got a Blackberry, when I was working for T-Mobile in my early 20s, like I was probably one of the first thousand people in the world that had a color screen Blackberry. Same thing happened, though, that happened with the lap or, or the computer in my bedroom is now I got a smartphone. And for the younger audience, a Blackberry is the original <laughs> smartphone. Like we wouldn't have an iPhone today if Blackberry Rim didn't didn't come out with that technology almost 20 years ago now. Um, but it was, it was, it was amazing to me as now I have literally, you know, access to the World Wide web in, in my pocket 24 hours a day, seven mm -hmm. days a week. So that really, you know, accelerated a problem where I could mm -hmm. consume porn anywhere that I wanted to, whether it would be in public restrooms, social gatherings, I remove myself, hey, guys, I'll be back in a couple minutes, I just go off into the bathroom and watch porn and masturbate. Um, so that was once again, that was the problem. And that and that became an addiction. But it also wasn't mm -hmm. something that I was really even addressing. So if I go mm -hmm. back in time, and I'm sorry, I'm jumping all over here. Um, I want to obviously get to um, my faith and how that has, has 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 played a role in my life. So growing up, there was no, you know, real 
talk of Jesus. There was no real, mm. you know, religion, like nothing. Like it was just like, we're here. Like we don't really understand any things. I had friends and like, I would go to church with them, but like, I didn't know what was going on. It's like, why aren't, why, why aren't we doing this? And so I had this yeah. kind of weird relationship with spirituality. Do I believe, do I not believe? And for a long time through my, through my adult life, for me, it was just something I avoided. Like if I was ever in a room where the conversation was had, I'll be like, you guys, you guys finish that conversation. Let me know when that one's done and I'll join on the next one. And I think that was because I just was unsure and mm. approaching some of these things brought some fear because what if it is true? What if it's not? Mm. I don't know. But at the same time, Emily is, I was always seeking for information. I was always seeking yeah. for answers. So growing up, I had a lot of anxiety. I had a lot of doubts about myself um, coming from a family of depression, uh, suicide. So there's been three generations of men uh, that have mm -hmm. taken their lives in my family, from my cousin to an mm -hmm. uncle, one of my dad's cousins, and then obviously uh, my grandfather's generation as well. So suicide was was prevalent. Drug addiction, alcohol addiction was prevalent. Cheating, divorce was, was all mm -hmm. prevalent. And I think for me, seeing that as the men in my family unsure about what's going on, not having any relationship with anything outside of myself. It's like, oh, we're just like, we're just, we must be different, right? Like maybe we can't have this life mm. that everybody else has. Maybe we can't have the million dollar home. Maybe we can't have the success. We can get by, but we're going to struggle mm. with anger. We're going to struggle with fighting. Like my parents argued mm. a lot. So I think as a young kid, I was just conditioning myself. That's like, we're always going to struggle. Like depression mm. is just a part of who you are. And I, and I really latched on to that. And there was a very significant moment that really set the path for my bodybuilding career that happened around 13. So I was spending the summer with a cousin of mine. So he's about a year older than me. So at the age of 13, when you're hanging out with 14 year old boys, what that brings is 14 and 15 year old girls. Um, and as somebody that already has doubts about himself, somebody that's already insecure because his mom is having to buy his jeans at the Husky department in JCPenney's, like I was unconfident to take my shirt off. And I can remember the feeling that I had then when I was, I was picked on for it. And I was mm -hmm. like poked at like, dude, what are you like? You can't just take your shirt off because these kids had abs and I had roles and it, and it literally stayed with me for like five mm. years that when I graduated high school, I was like, this, I'm never going to feel this way again. And that first summer I radically transformed my body, but there was a lesson that I learned there mm. that if I put in work, if I delay gratification, I can produce change in my life. So I know I'm kind of sharing a couple different paths and stories here, but it's all going to come back together mm -hmm. if, if you stay with me here. So I'm with you. On one side, I'm obviously, you know, I'm struggling in life. Like mm -hmm. there's depression, there's anxiety, mm -hmm. there's fear, uncertainty, insecurities. Like I don't know who I am. But then I'm also realizing like I have the ability to produce change mm -hmm. in my life if I put in the work. And Emily, for the next 13 years, 14 years of my life, that became two paths that I ran down. I would pursue wow. bodybuilding. I would transform my physique. I would coach and help others. I would succeed in corporate America. I was making six figures by the time I was 22 years old. I was crushing life from the outside. It appeared Frank had everything together, but Frank was struggling with pornography. Frank mm -hmm. was struggling with drugs. Frank was struggling with alcohol while keeping it all a secret because what mattered most was how I thought people saw me, mm -hmm. not how I really was doing, but how I felt people saw me in the world. So I became very good at projecting an image 
out into the world. And you do that long enough, you present an identity to the world that's not true to yourself, you will have a moment where it all comes crashing down. And I had a handful of those moments. Um, for me, there was one in particular in 2014. Um, I was competing in a world bodybuilding show. I placed third um, in a lineup of some of the most amazing physiques in the world. But it wasn't first. And, and that's what I wanted is I wanted to be recognized as the best at that show. And I'd been dating somebody at the time that was the best in her class. Mm. And for me, not being able to live up to the image that I, I held with her, once again, crushed me down to where after, after competing in this show, in the suite in downtown Orlando, amazing view of the city, everything is going amazing. I couldn't sleep that night. And all I stayed up thinking about was like how much I wanted to kill myself. Mm. Um, but once again, like I had nobody that I was running to to talk about these things. Until 2017. So uh, if I fast forward here a little bit, you know, I've shared some things with entrepreneurship. So I got into, you know, starting companies in 2013, had some quick immediate success, made a couple million dollars um, in gross sales, not take home, but we did okay um, as, as well. But I also didn't really enjoy that. Like that wasn't passion. That was like a cash grab. Um, but in 2017, I saw the end of that was coming and I was ready to really step into something more meaningful for the work mm -hmm. that I was doing. And I wanted to launch an online fitness brand. So I'd been doing the bodybuilding for about a decade at that point. I'd done some in-person training. I'd done some online coaching, like on the side, I would keep like a small pocket of clients, whether I was doing something else, but I was ready to go all in. Like I wanted to build a fitness empire. I wanted Frank Rich Fitness to become a name that people knew. Um, but at that point in my life, having been in my thirties, having been around business owners for a long time, I knew the power of mentorship and I knew the power of mm -hmm. getting some help. So I joined, so I, I hired a business coach at the beginning of 2017. And with that hiring of a coach came a ticket to an event later that summer. So July of 2017, mm -hmm. I fly up to Toronto. Uh, first time attending like a business mastermind, no clue what I was really getting into. I'd been to like personal like development seminars before, mm -hmm. but this was different. This was like a mastermind. We're going to sit in a room, smaller, you know, smaller group, mm -hmm. and we're going to talk strategies on building businesses for three days. In that event, though, Emily, a couple key relationships came mm -hmm. out of it. And number one, uh, that first night at dinner, I got to sit across from a couple, Josh and Rachel, um, who have gone on to become two of my closest friends. Josh is my spiritual mentor now. But it was interesting because having that conversation, like I didn't understand what they wanted, like why they wanted to talk to me. Mm -hmm. Like we're all in this room because we're business owners, but I felt something different. Like this is this loving couple. Like they're so pure and genuine. Like I'm a degenerate. Like I'm, I'm, I have secret addictions that nobody knows about. I'm, I'm basically cheating on my girlfriend with pornography every single day. I'm walking a double life. Why would they want to have a conversation with me? But the acceptance and love from them, Emily, just like showed me that there's people in this world um, that love first. And, and that's, just their, that's just their state of being is, yeah. is the state of love. Um, and, it, and it began to change me. So Josh and I stayed very, very close coming out of that relationship. We're literally for the next year and a half. We probably had a phone conversation at least every week, sometimes multiple times a week. And it would be all the good stuff, right? What's going on with your businesses? How are you succeeding? Health, you know, I was helping Josh build some muscle as well. But we also talked about all the struggles. Like Josh mm -hmm. was somebody I was able to pull things out of me that I'd never been able to share. So when I was arguing with my girlfriend and we were fighting, Josh knew about it. When I was having issues with making progress in the business, Josh mm -hmm. knew about it. When I was venting about the way that people, you know, made me feel within my family. Josh would know about it. 
but there was a second group of men that came out mm-hmm. of that, uh, that mastermind as well. And that was a group that uh, works for a company called Critical Bench. So Mike's the founder. Okay. There's a guy, Chris, there. Then there's another group of guys that kind of train there. Um, I met them through, through that group, and they became a regular like weekly workout group. For me. So every okay. Thursday I'd show up, we would, you know, we would start with, we're just going to crush this workout today. And then a month or so goes by and then it's like, Hey, we're going to work out. Frank, why don't you come to lunch with us? And then another month or so would come by. Hey, Frank, we're, we're all getting together this weekend, like out on the boat. Why don't you come with us? And then eventually it came to where like I'm meeting their families. Like I'm at their pool parties, like we're having dinners together. And once again, it was a different type of acceptance from men that I'd ever felt mm-hmm. because they were accepting me for who I was instead of what I was bringing to them, whether, whether it was my physique, my money, the part, the party, whatever it was like, these guys actually wanted to be around me for me, not what we were mm. doing. I don't know if that makes sense, yeah. uh, but it really began to change the way that I saw relationships in my life. Um, so all that happened in late 2017. If you fast forward to 2018, this business that I was going to build and change the world with wasn't really doing much. You know, mm. it, it had zero scalability, zero growth. And I realized it's because I wasn't really presenting myself through through an authentic point. You know, if there's anybody out there that's listening to this and is like wants to be a content creator or wants to produce change through video, podcasting, whatever, that will only work if it's you. Like you can have mm-hmm. the greatest information, but if it's not mm-hmm. true to who you are, nobody's yeah. going to be able to resonate with it. And I realized that. When I looked at myself, because layered through my fitness content was if you build your greatest body, you can go out and live your greatest life or become Mm -hmm. the greatest version of yourself. A lot of people like to throw that type of language around. But I had this point of clarity where it's like, why would anybody listen to you about how to become the greatest version of themselves when you are not the greatest version of yourself? So it was this point of like radical responsibility where I was like, Frank, stop lying to every single person. Mm -hmm. You have a secret life. You're lying to yourself every time you don't talk about that. You're lying yeah. to these people every time you're saying you are the greatest version when you know that you're not. So that was the kind of first moment of clarity. It was like, I had this, like, mm-hmm. you are a fraud in your life. And that's probably why you're not succeeding. Mm-hmm. So if we go back to Critical Bench, um, it was a Thursday. Actually, something happened before that. So... Mm-hmm. There was a point in September of 2018 where I can remember having a conversation with my girlfriend um, Mm -hmm. in our kitchen. It was late one night. The business was struggling. I think I was driving Uber just to make ends meet. I couldn't Mm -hmm. figure out what wasn't working. I'm literally doing everything that's being taught to me, but nothing is clicking. Nothing is taking Mm -hmm. off. And I looked at Seth and I was like, all these guys like Dan and Mike and Chris, they're all going to church. Maybe I need to go to church, Stephanie. Maybe that's the missing ingredient. Um, I mean, just how naive I was back back then thinking that like, I'm just going to walk into a building and it's going to change my life. But there was a seed that was planted there, Emily. Mm-hmm. Um, so Stephanie was like, she was kind of open. She's like, yeah, um, I can understand. Maybe I'll support you in doing that. But we didn't take any action. So that was in September. Come October, uh, my friend Josh had, so he lived in Philadelphia. He said, hey, I'm coming down to Orlando. Why don't you come spend the day with me? So Orlando is about an hour, hour and a half drive from where I lived in Tampa at the time. I said, sure, man. Like, I'm excited to come hang out with you. You know, we'll, we'll have lunch. We'll talk business. We'll just get caught up on all the news events and what's going on. Um, so I drive, you know, drive, you know, drive to Orlando, pick Josh up. And I knew that there was, uh, like, there was a big area in, in downtown Orlando 
centered around Church Street. Church Street is like one of the main roads, runs parallel to Amway Arena. So I said, hey, Josh, we're going to go park and then we'll find something on Church Street. So as we turn onto Church Street, we see this steakhouse like sitting back in the corner. Looks like a good place. We walk in, very quiet. Sit down, the waiter comes up, you know, can I help you? Josh says, yeah, bring us a couple waters. We're going to be here for a while. Like he literally took over the conversation right out of the beginning. Um, and as we get started, he literally looks at me and he's like, can I ask you a couple questions, Frank? Like, this is where we started. Um, he said, how's your relationship with your father? And what do you know about Jesus? Wow. That took me back at first. Like, what are you talking about? Um, but it's interesting though, because that seed had been planted by me just a month before. Um, so I think that was God's way of, of bringing me what I've been looking for my entire life. So we sat there for two plus hours and Josh just shared the entire, basically mm -hmm. the Bible with me, everything from Adam and Eve into Genesis, all the way through the resurrection and into revelation and mm -hmm. what Jesus meant, who he was and what he could mean to me if I allowed him into my life. Um, so we, we walked out of the, uh, the steakhouse that day and walked across the street. There happened to be a history center. Josh placed his hands on, on, on my shoulder. We prayed together. I, I, I accepted Christ into my life on October 22nd of 2018. Now, no clueing what I was doing at, at, at that point. Like, okay, like now I'm saved. Like, what does this mean? Um, well, Josh had brought in a Bible. So he said, you need to read this every single day and you need to find a church. And I said, okay, I think I can do that. So a week goes by, have a phone call with Josh. You reading your Bible, you going to church? No. Read your Bible, go to church. Another week goes by. Frank, are you doing anything? No. Read your Bible, go to church. About six weeks of having him tell me to read my Bible, go to church, I finally opened it up and started reading it every morning and eventually mm -hmm. found a church. Um, but with that, I began to feel a little bit convicted in, in who I was. I realized that mm -hmm. accepting Christ was first, but now I had to actually make some changes in who I was and what I was doing. So I began to really clean up my life, cutting out alcohol first. It wasn't something that I felt I was an alcoholic, but at that mm -hmm. point, it was something I was using um, as a crutch at, at night. It definitely became an escape for me almost every single night. So I'm like, I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to go the next year without a sip of alcohol, which I knew wasn't going to be difficult because I'd done it before, but it was really about being intentional with the decisions mm -hmm. that I was making. I also needed to lose some weight. So in January of 2019, I went on a rapid transformation, like lost 21 pounds in that first month of January, just transformed my, my physique, but also got a like sense of clarity on, on what I wanted to do. Um, if we fast forward into February, so February 14th of 2019, I'm back at Critical Bench. Um, it's one of those Thursdays we're having a workout. For whatever reason, I didn't decide to go to lunch that day. I stayed back. And one other man stayed back with me there as well. I've been training with Zach for, he'd been there since I'd started going. So every week we'd see him, but we both chose to stay back that day. And I'm like, hey, Zach, why don't we just catch up a little bit? Let's have a conversation for the next 10 minutes. I know you got to go on your way. I got some busy things going on as well. So he sat in my car there and out of nowhere, Zach is literally like, he starts talking about these breathing exercises that he's doing and how it's helping him harness his sexual energy. Mm. And then he leads that to, it's really helping him stay away from watching porn. And I stopped him there and I said, what did you just say? He's like, yeah, man, I've been addicted to porn for like five or six years. Um, and this is the first thing in my life that I found that has really helped me work through some of these triggers and urges. Now, Zach is a Marine. He's incredibly strong, disciplined, like somebody I hold a lot of respect for. So for him to tell me that he was struggling with a porn addiction was the last thing I ever expected from him. I've never heard another, another heard a grown man 
talked about that to me mm -hmm. in person. I'd heard a podcast maybe six months before with two men and that got me to kind of look at my life, but I hadn't taken any action. And I hadn't talked about it with anybody. But when Zach opened up and shared that with me, I felt almost like that was God telling me like, now is your time to talk about this. Like you've been keeping this a secret for 20 plus years. I know you've been looking into the research because I was already doing that. I was figuring out your brain on porn. Like what happens from a neuroscientific level? How is it reworking and, re and reprogramming my brain? So I knew all of this. I still hadn't talked about it though. So right then and there, I stopped Zach and I said, dude, I don't know why you felt the need to share that, but I want to thank you. And here's why. And I literally dumped everything out on him. I was like, bro, I've been struggling with this for 20 plus years. It's been secrets. My girlfriends have called me in the past. It's to the point now where in my relationship with Stephanie, there's a private laptop that sits in the, in the closet. It only comes out. So I just shared all of this with him. And I think he might've known some of these things about me because it didn't really shock him. Um, but I made a commitment that day to him, Emily. I was like, brother, I don't know why you felt the need to do this, but I want to thank you. And I'm going to let you know I'm committed to removing this out of my life mm -hmm. forever. Here's a couple things I need to happen, though, Zach. And number one, I need you to help hold me accountable. Are you mm -hmm. willing to do that? Will you check in on me? If I call you uh, in times of need, will you be there for me? He's like, absolutely, bro. I love you so much, man. I want to see you break through to this. So the next thing that needs to happen is I need to go home and tell Stephanie we had had talks about a potential future. What does that look like? Can we, you know, can we build a family together? But I knew if anything was going to happen with us moving forward, she needed to know the real, the real me. She needed to know mm -hmm. the truth. Um, so I told Zach, I said, Hey, I'm going to go home and tell Stephanie. He's like, you sure about that? I said, I've never felt more sure about anything. Like this is what mm -hmm. needs to happen. So that drive home, like I wrestled with it. Emily I was like, why would I go home and tell her this? Like, just keep doing what you're doing. Nothing's going to mm -hmm. change. This is not really your problem. Like, this is not mm -hmm. why you're not succeeding. There's other things. Look at some of the other accomplishments. You were doing all those mm -hmm. things before while still addicted to porn. Why do you think this is it? Um, so I actually didn't say anything to her that night. I went to bed with it. And when I got up the next morning, I was so convicted. I was like, you mm -hmm. said this? Are you going to be a man of your word? Or are you going to continue down this path of lying like you've been doing every single day of, of, of your life? So I got up out of my mm -hmm. office. Stephanie was getting ready in, in one of the bathrooms at our house. I pulled the laptop out of the closet and I walked in. I said, hey, Steph, I need to tell you something. And this was, she's like, what's the, what's the computer? I said, just stay with me. I know you know that I probably watch pornography because I've invited you to watch it with me before, but I don't think you actually understand the level of depth that I'm in this thing and how bad of a problem it is with me. And just like I dumped everything on Zach, I dumped everything on Stephanie there. We both got incredibly emotional. We're both crying. I'm, I'm telling her I'm committed to getting this out. She doesn't really know what this means. Um, and I want to prove this to you though, Stephanie. So I literally took the laptop. It always sounds more impressive when I say, and I ripped it apart. Um, literally had two pieces of a laptop in each one of my hands, but laptops were made in two pieces. So it was really me just putting it back to its original form, but it sounds cool to say you destroyed a laptop with your bare hands. Um, but I think it was very significant because for me, that was me showing to myself like this point of entry for pornography that's coming to your life. Really the laptop was my dealer. It was a dealer for my judge because that was where I went to consume pornography. I'm cutting it out of my life. So I think that was a very significant point for me in proving to myself how seriously and committed mm -hmm. I was to doing it. Um, so after that, I was like, Steph, like, 
like, let's see what can happen out of this. So I had to walk outside though, throw the laptop away. And, and when I walked outside, I wanted to, A number one, text Zach. Hey bro, I did what mm -hmm. I told you I was gonna do. So I kept the accountability part in my life. Mm -hmm. And secondly, I wanted to share it with Josh. Um, so Josh and I use this app, it's called Marco Polo. It's like a, it's a video messaging app. You can send messages back and forth. So it was really cool. I was able to shoot literally a video um, of me talking to him, him seeing the laptop going to the going to the trash. This is the first time he's hearing about this though, because this is the one thing that Josh and I had never talked about. So I just dropped mm -hmm. this bomb. I was like, "Hey, bro, like here's something you've never known about me, but here's what's happening out of this." So it wasn't just confessing to the sin; mm -hmm. it was actually taking responsibility for changing what I was mm -hmm. going to do. And I can remember it so vividly because the video is actually still on my phone to this day. I watch it. I watch it sometimes. As that call is ending, I look at the, I look into the camera and I'm like, Josh, I don't know what's going to come out of this, but this is the beginning of something bigger and greater than I've ever done in my entire life. And that's how the call ends. The next three months, like my, my world changed and mm. I understand it spiritually. I understand it as my brain reboot as well. I literally began to see the world a whole lot differently. I began to see people a lot differently. I began to see myself showing up in the world a whole lot differently and this is where people really started to push me. Frank, you need to get this out into the world. Think about your life. Like you've been studying human performance. You've read at this point probably 500 books mm -hmm. on personal development. You've invested in seminars. You've invested in business coaches. You've invested in personal coaches. You had the keys to what you thought were high performance and you're still struggling with a porn addiction. What about the people that don't have that background? Do they even understand what's happening? So that was really a push to me to at least get my story out into the world. And that's what started my podcast was it was just a place for me to put my story and share other people's stories with the world. So the first you know, 20 or so episodes are really story focused, mm -hmm. overcoming addiction, much like you're doing here with the Becoming You series. It was really about showing people what can happen when you take action, you take responsibility, and you allow God to kind of take the steering wheel <laughs> in your life. But what was interesting though, is those first 20 of episodes, yeah, we caught some traction with Apple, we were recognized as new and noteworthy. We began to get some downloads. We began to build a little bit of a following. What was interesting though, because I'd already been producing content. I was on Instagram. I was on a couple of the different platforms. So I was already having people messaging me prior to this. A lot of it was, it was thank you for your fitness information. Thank you for your mm -hmm. workouts. I got bigger biceps. I got lean abs. I lost 20 pounds, which is all great. Like if you're out there helping people transform the way they look, incredible. But the messages started to change from that to thank you for your conversations, Frank. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your willingness to address the topics that most people won't address. So that start, happened about three months into the podcast. Then another three months go by and people are like, I love what you're doing. Can you help me? Mm -hmm. And at first I was like, I don't think so. I don't like just listen to whatever's happening on the podcast and just take action on that. But it, it was happening so regularly. And then all the men around me were like pushing me, Frank, like this is God's calling on your life. Like you've overcome this. Now you're going to be able to help others overcome the same walk in, in, in their lives. So January 28th of 2020, um, I did a little social media post where it was literally, I'm looking for five guys that want to overcome this struggle. I'm going to coach you this and that, da, da, da. Something I learned at a marketing event. And I'm like, let me just see, let me just see what anybody will even respond to this. Within an hour, I was on the phone with somebody and I was collecting $3,000 and it just changed 
everything about what I saw potential in, changed everything about my life. So there was another guy that joined as well. We actually had two clients of $6,000 right at the beginning. And I told them, I don't know what we're going to be doing for the next 16 weeks. You're going to help me build this program together. Um, so Pete, I love your brother and I appreciate you and Russ were the first two clients of Rebuild Recovery and together they helped me build what has now become our 16 week Reboot Your Life program. Um, in the last two plus years, you know, we've had a few hundred men successfully go through that, whether it's just in the course or it's in a group coaching or it's in a one-on-one -on -one coaching environment. We've had about 3,500 to 4,000 men, um, download another one of our books and, and that's the seven step guide. Um, the podcast is, you know, reaching thousands of men every single week. The YouTube channel has been active since July 28th of 2020. We haven't missed a day with at least one video. Now we're doing two on YouTube every day. Um, and it's just changed everything about me. And it's allowed me to really pull on all these levers throughout my life through business leadership, through personal development, through fitness coaching, um, through my walk in, 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 in faith in Christ now and integrated into a program that can help guys successfully remove pornography out of their life by becoming better men though. That is our approach is we are builders of men. I am a coach that can produce change in people's lives. So these guys come in thinking they have a problem with pornography. What we quickly show them is the problem is usually within them. And once we solve that, not only are we gonna kick the problem with porn out of the way, but we're really gonna enable them to step into life that they're all born and created to live. So yeah, super long winded. I know it went kind of a lot of different, uh, you know, angles there, but hopefully, hopefully wow. together. I mean, thank you for unpacking your journey, like who you are, who you're becoming so honored that you took the time to unpack your journey with us. You know, I have a couple follow-up questions. Um, and I'll start here. Like if you now you're having coffee with somebody and you're just trying to encourage them, they're on their own becoming journey. And you're just speaking life into them. What would you say to them? Yeah, I love this question, Emily. And it, it's, it's similar to a question I was asked earlier this week, and I'm probably gonna give you a different answer than anything you ever heard. I really wouldn't say much to them because mm -hmm. I think most people know what they should and potentially could be doing. So putting yep. my coach's hat on, I would ask some questions. Mm -hmm. um, here's why, because I think encouragement, like it depends on who the individual is. We're all moved and encouraged and inspired a little bit differently. So for me, what would move me if I try to share that with somebody else, if I don't understand their personality type, if I don't understand what drives them, mm -hmm. that's going to fly right over their head. So I would just ask a lot of questions, pulling the information mm -hmm. out of them. I think that's what a great coach and great leader can do is pull the answers that you're seeking out of you because we all know it we all know what we're yeah. supposed to be doing we all know what's expected yeah. of us just throwing out more words of encouragement is like just reading another book well mm -hmm. if you don't actually take action on the book so i yeah. think a lot of it is just going to be done through the series of questions i would be able to ask this individual i love that that actually makes me think of a conversation i had with my dad a couple summers ago and i was in a spot where i just felt stuck and rather than just throwing encouraging words at me he was like emily you know who you want to be. You just have to choose to be her. And it was that coaching moment where you're 100% right. I think we do know intrinsically who we want to be, what we need to maybe do a step. We might need some coaching, some help, someone to come alongside us. But at the end of the day, you got to take that step. It's not about consuming more encouragement, but what we do and live out with that. Um, you know, I think that there's two groups of people, potentially, Frank, who are watching your story today. And 
one group might have really resonated with your story and they might find themselves like, Hey Frank, I'm, I'm here right now. Perhaps somebody does have an addiction with pornography or something else that, that vein of a secret hidden life. What's something that you would say to coach up someone right now and next step um, alongside like y'all, if you're in this space, please go follow coach, um, coach Frank on Instagram. We'll have all the links, all that good stuff. Um, and you can, you can follow along there, but what's a step somebody can take today in finding freedom? Yeah. And if you, if you follow the journey of what I did, everything is laid out very, very mm -hmm. clear and decisive there. Yeah. It's like, if you think you have a problem, chances are you have a problem. So the first step has to be acceptance and responsibility mm -hmm. of what is going on within your life. I mean, this is, this is the, this is the first step in producing any transformational change in your life for anything. You want to lose weight except that you're not at the weight that you want to be right now, but mm -hmm. you're only, but you're going to be the only person that's going to change it. You're not happy in your marriage, except that you have played a role in bringing the marriage to where it currently is right now, but also the responsibility that you're going to play a role in producing the change, struggling mm -hmm. with pornography, except that you are the one that has gotten you here. It's not your parents' fault. It's not mm -hmm. your, it's not your wife. It's not your wife's fault. It's not Becky because she rejected you at the prom's fault. It's none of these other reasons. Those are all mm -hmm. excuses. It's your responsibility. Mm -hmm. You're the one that's led here. So it's got to start with taking that responsibility. I mean, mm -hmm. 12 steps, you know, AA has, has been, they've done more good for addiction than mm -hmm. any other organization in the world. What is the first step? This addiction has power over me, right? It's an acceptance that I have a problem and something beyond me. And I don't believe that you need to submit power to an addiction because that's holding on to an identity. But I do believe you have to accept where you currently are. Mm -hmm. So be honest with yourself, right? And then I think the next step is being honest with somebody else. So yeah. if there's a man that is struggling with pornography, find an older man within your life. Find somebody mm -hmm. that you that you feel safe with, that you can trust, and can you can see yourself living a life similar to theirs and go have that conversation with them. Just like I had with Zach, just like I had with Mike, just like I had with Dan, just like I had with Ron, just like I had with Vince, just like I had with Justin, just like I had with every single man that I looked up to in my life. I said, Hey, this is what I've been doing for 20 years. I don't know why I did it, but I'm committed to change. And here's the interesting mm -hmm. th thing for men out there. You're afraid of telling because you're afraid of the judgment. That means you're ashamed mm -hmm. in what you're doing. But what happens when you have this conversation? Granted, it's with the right person. That arm is put around you and it said, it's okay, brother. I understand because this is really every man's problem. Like we've all had yeah. to overcome this. There might be one human being walking the earth right now. I think his name is Tim Tebow that hasn't had to overcome <laughs> this because he's just a rare individual but most men know what it feels like to be a slave to your lust most men know what it feels mm -hmm. like to want to run to some of these things now many of them don't do it because they've had to overcome it in their life so for men honest with yourself first and then find mm -hmm. somebody in your life that you can have a conversation with yeah no that is so good so helpful and, you know i think the second group of people potentially watching today um might find themselves in the camp where your girlfriend was that day and somebody you love, you care about your significant other family member, best friend. Um, maybe they are struggling. How can we come alongside those that we love and have that arm around that there's not shame, but we can help somebody grow. Yeah. I, I love this question. Cause I, I do think it's so important um, to have this conversation, to have the women playing mm -hmm. the necessary role in a man's recovery. First and foremost, this is not my, 
my area of expertise here at Rebuilt Recovery, we do focus on solving the men's problems. Um, we have some tools and resources. We brought in some other experts to help within our course and, and in our programs that speak to this. Um, and I've had a fortunate, uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to interview a woman on my podcast as well called Jolene Wynn. She calls herself the porn addict's wife. So her entire focus in life, she's got a book, coaching business, and everything is centered around helping women overcome their husband's pornography addiction, whether or not he's doing anything about it. So she coaches women that their husband is like, I'm not giving this up. How can they handle this and, and, and heal from it? So she would be the go-to person there. Um, but I can share a couple of things that her and I discuss on our, on our conversation. The first thing I think that, that women need to understand is this is a real addiction. This, your body, the way that your brain responds to it and the impact on the man in the pull to it is the same as with any addiction, whether it's drugs, alcohol, food, gambling, any of them. So there's, there's, so there's chemical needs for some of these things in their life. So I think a lot of women immediately go to, he doesn't think I'm pretty, he's not in love with me and he's cheating on me. And while yes, that may play a role in it, my my experience in the past has been it's the it's the chemical addiction to dopamine uh, that these men are really seeking, and this mm. has been their pathway to getting into it. And I can speak from being in relationships with women that I do know I had real love for, and 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 I didn't ever think that I was running to pornography because our relationship wasn't wasn't satisfying our needs. Mm -hmm. I had a chemical need for what pornography was supplying. So I think first, if women can can approach it through that lens and perspective mm -hmm. first. It navigates or it makes navigating the conversation a whole lot simpler because you don't start attacking him from mm -hmm. cheating on me or you don't love me. So if you can understand that this is that there is a real addiction that is taking place. Um, secondly, and and this is probably not what a lot of women want to hear, but Jolene confirmed it with me. Mm -hmm. While he's navigating his journey of becoming better, mm -hmm. figure out how you need to become better. I think that if you're going to point your finger at a man and say, you're the only one in this relationship yeah. that doesn't, that, that isn't uh, where he needs to be. You're the only one that needs to change. That's like, you're like taking responsibility for who you are. We all have things mm -hmm. that we need to work on. We all have areas of growth. We all need to be becoming our next mm -hmm. version, right? So I think if a woman can understand that there's an addiction taking place, there's things in my life that I need to be working through, and I'm not here to coach him. I'm not here to be his mother. I can support him in knowing what's going on, but I should allow the recovery. I should allow the work to be taken mm -hmm. on by somebody else. So don't be the mom. Don't be the person like, I'm going to correct you. I need to be checking your phone every single day. He's not going to want to feel that from you. He's going to want your support. And, and, and he's going to want to know that you're also trying mm -hmm. to find areas in your, in your life where you can be coming a little bit better. So those would be probably the two things that I think and maybe from my perspective, help mm -hmm. realizing it's a real addiction, um, but also realizing like there might be some things in, in you that might need some work. Yeah, no, that is so practical and very, very helpful. Um, if somebody was watching and they wanted to connect with you online, they wanted to perhaps look into your coaching program, continue learning from you, where can people connect with you? Yeah, if you just type Coach Frank Rich into anything on the internet, you'll you'll find us. Um, that's our YouTube channel is Coach Frank Rich. Like we said, active every single day there. Um, on Instagram, Coach Frank Rich. That's the best place if you have questions for me to reach out. Mm -hmm. um, check out the podcast. That wouldn't be Coach Frank Rich so that you'd want to search the superhuman life. Um, but we've had some amazing conversations, faith-focused, science-focused, recovery, rediction, biohacking. 
we we span the 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 range of topics on our podcast from A to Z. So yeah, those would be the best places. That's amazing. And everybody, we will have all of those links in the show notes so you can easily connect with Coach Frank Rich for sure online. But I mean, thank you so much for unpacking your journey, who you are, who you're becoming, and equipping us with tools and resources for becoming who God made us to be as well. This has been such a great conversation and I'm just, I'm cheering you on big time. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Emily. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Becoming Me podcast. If this episode connected and resonated with you, we would love to see your experience. So snap a photo of this episode and share on social media. Don't forget to tag us by tagging at Emily B. Cummins. Learn more about becomingme.tv and find more resources at becomingme.tv. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Becoming Me podcast. If this episode connected and resonated with you, we would love to see your experience. So snap a photo of this episode and share on social media. Don't forget to tag us by tagging at Emily B. Cummins. Learn more about becomingme.tv and find more resources at becomingme.tv.